Church, Hebrews chapter number 11. This morning, Hebrews chapter number 11. I just want you to see a, a, a few verses uh, this morning. I want to talk about uh, our testimony for God, the importance of our testimony, uh, our testimony for God. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it... He being dead, yet speaketh by faith. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony. What was that testimony that he had? (laughs) You talking about... You're talking about having something said about you? Listen, if they said nothing else about me, but said, listen, that guy pleased God. Really, honestly, what else matters? I mean, isn't that our ultimate goal? Or isn't that what our ultimate goal ought to be? Is to please God with our lives? Now listen to me. When you please God with your life, other things fall into place. Right? When you please God with your life, you're a good husband, you're a good wife. When you please God with your life, you're, you're a good parent, you're a good child. When you please God with your life, you see how other things fall into place? It's kind of like uh, uh, talking about God's attributes. When we talk about God's attributes, we talk about God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's long-suffering. I like that one. God's got a lot of attributes, but let me tell you what his number one attribute is we talk about all the time. It's God's holiness. Because God's holiness is who God is. God is holy. I get it. He is love and and grace, but let me tell you what happens. God's holiness, because God is holy, he's love. Because God is holy, he's merciful. Because God is holy, he's He's patient. All these things stem from God's holiness. And when we please God, all these right things stem from our efforts to please God. Here's our problem. So often, too often, man's problem is we're worried about pleasing other people. We're worried about uh, making sure other people like us and making sure other people aren't this and other people aren't offended and other people... Listen to me, I'm not going to stand before you one day, and you're not going to stand before me one day. We're all going to stand before God one day, and we're going to give an answer. The scripture says we're going to give an answer for what we've done in our bodies, whether it be good or bad. This idea, listen to me, this idea 
that every single person that stands before God's going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is mistaken. At worst, it's a deception. At best, it's a misinterpretation. We do... Not everybody's going to please God. Matter of fact, the Bible says that some will come before God. They will go in empty-handed. Now, praise God, they're going in. Okay? Because if you're at the judgment seat of Christ, it's already been settled. There's only two, there's only two judgments. The, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. What you've done with Christ before that determines which judgment you go to. Okay? It's real... Real, real simple to understand that. So if you're saved, judgment seat of Christ. If you're lost, great way throne judgment. And those judgments don't determine whether you go to heaven or not. Because if you're already saved, you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're, you're, you're going in. If you're not saved and you're at the great white throne judgment, the great white throne judgment is a judgment without mercy. It's a judgment without second chances. It's a judgment that you are at that judgment because your your fate is already sealed. Okay? So understand this. When you stand before God one day and you give an answer, some will have crowns and some will not. Our works, right? The scripture says. What are our works? Our works are what The Bible says about Enoch, uses the word testimony, right? Our testimony, the way we live our lives, that involves our speech, that involves our doing, it involves all these things. One day, they will be tried by fire. And they'll either be wood, hay, and stubble, and they'll burn up, or they'll go through the fire and they'll be tried as gold and silver and precious stones and, and, and you'll be rewarded. But I, I want to I I get down where the rubber meets the road. And here's where the rubber meets the road. The Bible says about Enoch, there's only two people that we know of, right, that were translated. Enoch, we find out here, right, he walked with God and was not because God took him. Who is the other person? Elijah, right? He went up in a chair to fire. Oh, I'm, I'm a little jealous. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like, I'd like to do that. But anyways, um, it was both of them went to and and went to to be with God without without going through the avenue of death or the rapture. And so, but Enoch walked with God. Enoch had a testimony, and his testimony had nothing to do with man. Did you get that? His testimony had everything to do with God. He pleased God. Now, there doesn't have to be a bunch said about somebody. Do you know know that's a mouthful? Do you know what a mouthful it is if you said about somebody, and let me tell you something about this guy, he pleased God. You know a whole bunch of things come into your head about that man? You didn't even have to know him. Let me tell you something about her. I mean, she... With her life, everything she did, she pleased God. What does that automatically tell you? It tells you a whole bunch of, whole bunch of things about that person without even knowing that person. And this is Enoch. This is Enoch's testimony. My question for you this morning, to obviously a more intimate Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, 
We had a lot of visitors, right? And we had a lot of people, a lot of family. My question for you this morning is, how is your testimony? Because whether your testimony is good or whether your testimony is bad, we all have a testimony. You see, we all talk a good talk, or a lot of people talk a good talk. But when it comes to, when it comes to living their lives, they're not backing up with what they're saying. The stuff they put out on social media, the stuff that they do, the stuff that they don't do. We talked about in Sunday school this morning, there are two, two types of sins. There are sins of commission and there are sins of omission. Him know through good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know it's right to do and you don't do it, Bob calls that sin. Just as much as the things you know you shouldn't be doing and you go ahead and do them, those are sin as well. We're going to have to answer for them. We're going to have to answer for our lives. We're going to have to answer for not just about what we said, but about what we did. We're going to be not only hearers, James said this, we're not only to be hearers of God's word, we're to be doers of God's word. Is our testimony such that it pleases God? To have a testimony that pleases God, think about this with me for a few minutes this morning. To have a testimony that pleases God, there must be, number one, a regeneration. There must be a regeneration. Without faith, what does the Bible say? It is impossible to please God. Do you know what it means? Do you know what it means um, for something to be impossible? It doesn't mean to be improbable. It means to be impossible. It means to not be able to do it. And the Bible says that uh, without faith, without faith, it's impossible to, to, to please God. And can I tell you, without faith, there is no regeneration. What do I mean by that? Listen, understand this. Now, now, now I know most of y'all's testimony in here, so I know most of y'all understand this. But Jesus paid it all, right? We sing that song, we sing that hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Uh, um, sin left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow, okay? So Jesus Christ paid our sin debt. Why did he do that? He loves us, but he did that because you can. The only way for you to pay for your sin, and by the way, you never pay for it because it's eternal, is to die and go to hell. That's why hell is not just for a little time. Hell is for eternity. It's forever. It's for those that have decided to pay for their own sins and they pay for it and pay for it and pay for it and pay for it and and it never gets paid. Because listen to me, we can't pay our own sin debt. Understand this, we can't pay the sin debt of somebody else. My, one of my, when my children were small, one of my wife's, Biggest concerns was the salvation of our children. You remember that, Mama? I mean, the big we we saw it in two different ways. She'd tell me, "Go down there and pray with pray them in." You know, she didn't quite say it like that, but get down there, tell them every single day. I want my kids to be say. And this was my and and this is how I said, "Listen, there's got to be Holy Spirit conviction, and when the Holy Spirit convicts them." 
we'll know it. And then we'll talk to him. Of course, we always talk to him about the Lord. But then, but then we'll lead him to the Lord. And that's what happened with all three of our children. But it was a concern, right? Is it a, conf- a concern for you for your, for your kids? Is it a concern for you for your grandkids? Is it a concern for you for your friends, for your coworkers, for your neighbors? It ought to be a concern. Why? Because you can't save them. I can't save them. We can talk to them. We can plant a seed. We can even water. We can even sometimes, we can even sometimes pick the fruit. But listen to me, it's God that gives the increase. It's God that saves. So understanding that God did the work, what was the work? The work was Jesus Christ lived a sinless perfect life. He went to the cross. He paid for our sins. He died for our sins. Matter of fact, the Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He died on the cross, shed his blood. Hebrews says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Jesus Christ shed his innocent, perfect blood, took that blood, right? Went to the, went to the mercy seat. I mean, paid our sin debt, rose again the third day, and the Bible says that he is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me. So Jesus paid the way. He's provided the way. Here's the way. It's yours if you want it. But he doesn't force anybody to be saved. He doesn't drag anybody to the altar. Now, he'll convict, and the Holy Spirit will convict, but he doesn't make anybody saved. See, our, 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 Calvin, our Calvinist friends have, have a, a confusion about the sovereignty of God. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? You, sh- you should, <laughs> because the Bible teaches of the sovereignty of God. God knows all things, right? He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God, God, listen, God knows all. But listen to me. God chose to give man free will. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man aren't contrary to each other. They're complementary to each other. And so God has given you a free will to choose. He has given you a free will to place your faith. Listen, you have a choice. You can place your faith in yourself. You can place your faith in man. You can place your faith in the church, your confirmation, your baptism. You can place your faith in anything you want to, but only placing your faith and trust in Christ will get you to heaven. You see faith? See, understand faith? Without, uh, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. There must be a regeneration. I, I do not want to hear this idea that you've always been saved. Because you haven't always been saved. When you were born, you were born in sin. You, listen to me. You were, you're born a sinner. My, bl- blame it on mama and daddy. Blame it on, go all the way back and blame it on Adam and Eve. I don't care who you blame it on. The fact is, there is none that are born perfect. Oh, they might look beautiful and they're all so precious. And they're a bunch of liars, every baby. I can't believe he's, I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none 
righteous. No, not Not even one. Not even yours. And I know some of you, I get, I get some of you, oh, I know my kids aren't, but my grandma gave you some, I mean. I don't know how many times, I don't know how many grandparents I've, said, I've heard say, listen, if I knew it was going to be that good, I'd have had grandkids first. I don't think that's to do that. But anyways, we're all sinners, right? We're all lost. We're all undone. So there's nobody that's always been saved. Now, you might have grown up in church. Our kids were in church you know, nine months before they were born. I mean, they were, I mean, they've always been in church. I mean, always been in church. But that doesn't make them always saved. Some people are saved. Uh, my good friend, Jim White, <clears throat> he's one of our missionaries. Jim, and he'll tell you, and he'll give you his testimony, he was saved when he was four years old. Four. Now, he first told me that I was like, Jim, Listen to me. I can't remember four days ago, let alone when I was four years old. But, I mean, he'll tell you. I mean, he'll take you to the place. He'll tell you every part of the incident. I mean, everything. We're not all saved at the same time. There's not a certain age. Well, it's 12 years old, right? I don't know where we get these things. Listen to me. When you become convicted of your sin and no and, 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 and the Holy Spirit convicts you, and then you have a choice to, to, to accept Christ as your Savior, Listen, then you're responsible. You're responsible for your sin. And whether that age is four or that... Or that can, can I tell you something? Listen, if you want to have a discussion about it later, we can. But you know some people never come to that age? True. I mean, it's true. I mean, there's certain circumstances where that happens. And I, I, I don't understand it all, but I understand this much. Without regeneration, there's no hope. Without regeneration, there's nothing but hell. Without regeneration, there's no heaven. God's provided that way, and we've got to, we've got to by faith, accept what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross. A regeneration of spirit to the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, in verse number, verse number 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not, it's not of works. You know why it's not of works? Because we're a prideful people. Look what I did to get me to heaven. Hey, I want you to come in and take a look at my mansion. I mean, look at, the, look at my mantle. I mean, do you see all these rewards and all these things that, that I I earned every one of those things. Look at my wall. I mean, look at this. I mean, look at all these things were given to me by God because of all. I mean, we about break our arm patting ourselves on the back. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about what you've done. It's all about what Christ has done. That's why, do you understand? That's why when you do, if you do get... Uh, uh, crowns and get rewards and awards from God that we will be laying them back at the feet of Jesus. 
I don't believe there's going to be anybody prancing around heaven with a crown on their head. With different, different jewels around it saying, hey, look, hey, look at me, folks. You know, you know what the focus is going to be on heaven? It's going to be on Jesus Christ. Focus is not on you and me. The focus is on him. The focus is on who has the best mansion. Everything's a comparison. I don't know how it's all going to work. I don't know how it's all going to work, okay? But I know this much. The Bible says in my father's house, there are many mansions. God never said you're getting one. I, I'm just telling that, that hurts people's feelings. I'm sorry that it hurts your feelings. But I'm just telling you, I'm not saying no, we're not getting one. I'm just telling you, he didn't say you're getting one. And if we get one, it's not going to be a matter of, you ever, you ever drive through the country or you ever drive through a town? We love to, when we, we, we go out of town, I didn't used to be like this. I used to be A to B. Buddy, whatever the fastest route was, was the route. I, and if you got, we got in the car, especially when my kids were little, you got to pee, you go now. Otherwise, otherwise, your bladder's going to get some practice because I'm telling you, we're not stopping. We got to get where we got to go. Now, I don't care if it takes me 10 hours. I mean, I just, we like to go through those small towns and we like to go by and see houses, especially out in the country. These houses, all this land, these houses that got all these beautiful fences and horses and cattle and all this kind of stuff. I just absolutely love to see those things. I drive by and often we'll say, oh man, I bet that's where the governor lives. Whoo, I bet the mayor lives over there. I don't know who lives there, you know, I mean, but you know what we do? We measure people by the stuff that they have. I mean, he's got a nicer house, so he must be rich. I mean, do you see the car she's driving around in? Man, they must be loaded. We come to conclusions by what things look like. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I can't figure it all out, but I do know this. We're not going to be going through heaven going, holy smokes, his mansion's twice the size of mine. I mean, look at how nice, I mean, look at that manicure. And I can, tell you, I can tell you this much, there won't be any yard work in heaven. Not at my house, anyways. <laughs> maybe if you like it, you, I mean, maybe, maybe for you. But, but I know this much, we're not going to measure each other by what our, what our possessions look like. So if we get mansions, great. I, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that, that we are or not. I'm just telling you this much. The focus isn't on what we're going to get. The focus is on who we're going to be with. That's who the focus is going to be on. The focus is going to be on Jesus Christ. The focus is going to be on that great reunion of those that have gone on before, uh, 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 that worship and that fellowship and all that goes on uh, in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, you know the verse, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen, there must be regeneration. Jesus told Nicodemus, remember in John chapter number 3, when he told what Jesus in his earthly ministry told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. That must is like that impossible. And listen, it's, you, 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 can't, you can't do it without it, right? You must. You must be regenerated. You must know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Universalism is not biblical. Do you hear me? Universalism. This universalism teaches everybody's going to heaven. 
We're all children of God. I mean, come on. I mean, God loves people so much that, you know, that we're all, no matter how you live, no matter what you do, you're going, you're going to heaven one day when you die. And then there's a portion of it that, according to your sins, now listen, this will blow your mind if you never heard this one. There's portions of it where if you're this much of a sinner, you go to hell for this long, and then you leave hell and you go to heaven. You heard that one? Anybody heard that one? Yeah. Yeah, it's... There's some crazy stuff out there. If you only sin a little bit, and I mean, I don't know, Peter's measuring that, or whoever, whoever's measuring that, but man, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to go to hell for a second, let alone for a portion of time. Or if you do really the best you can, you go to this waiting area. Think of this waiting. Think of these like rocking chairs, and you sit in this rocking chair and you rock for a while until somebody prays you out of there. I mean. That's, some of the nonsense that is not biblical, we don't get it from the Bible, but we just come up with it, and then everybody just believes it. Listen, the things you believe ought to be backed up from the Word of God. Because otherwise, they're just man-made. And man can come up with some crazy stuff. I mean, there are some crazy beliefs out there. There's some crazy things out there. Listen, you fly... Uh, listen. You fly your plane into a building and kill thousands of people, you get a free pass to heaven. Oh, and by the way, a, a harem of virgins that you get there when you get there. What? Yeah. I'm telling you, there's some crazy beliefs out there, but I, I want you to understand they're man-made beliefs. We need to believe what God said. Ye must be born again. Verily, verily. In verse number 3 of John 3, he says this, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You understand that? This is Jesus speaking. He cannot see the kingdom of God. I have an answer for this too, by the way. This doesn't count because it's in the book of John. And all the way up to the book of Acts, Acts is a transitional book, so all from the book of Acts all the way back to the Old Testament, you could just throw all that out. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, a sect of Baptists believe this. And then all that Paul wrote, well, there's a controversy of whether he wrote Hebrews or not, and so who, who, who knows what they believe about that. But then there's another transitional book, and then everything there, that's all tribulational books, and so you can throw all that out. Only what Paul wrote is for the church. So you can just take all this, take everything Jesus said and throw it in the trash. That makes a lot of walking around sense. But I'm telling you, that's what will twist and turn everything anything that we can so that we can get the Bible to say what we believe. Do you know that's not how it works? Do you realize this morning, this is not how it works. God, I want to do such and such, so bless my will. Isn't that what we do? It's what we often we do. But Jesus said, yeah, which... You're supposed to throw that out, but we're not going to throw it out, okay? We're going to keep it. Jesus said this. He said, not my will, but thine be done. So instead of saying, God, bless my will, why don't we say, God, what are you blessing? And let me get a part of that. Let me be a part of that. Let me do that. Do you know, do you know 
less and less people actually pray about where they go to church. Did you know that? Statistically speaking. Do you know what they do? They do with church like they do everything else in life. What can that church do for me? What can that relationship do for me? What can that person do for me? What's in it for me? And that's, that's, how, we, that's how we go about life anymore, is all we think about is me, myself, and I, and how, how can I benefit from the situation? How can I benefit from the circumstance? And our, tes- our testimonies, even in our churches today, let me tell you something, they stink. They stink. I mean, to hear about people that are prayer warriors and people that uh, study their Bible anymore, do you know that the average Christian, listen, listen, hear me well, the average Christian is clueless when it comes to the Bible. I'm, I'm telling you, they are clueless. You can name some names from the Bible and they're like, I've never heard that name before. Now, they know about Joan and the whale. I'm, gonna, I'm already working on it. I'm starting a series on um, junior church stories of the Bible. And we're going to talk about them as adults. Because we talk about some of these stories of the Bible, and we give the veggie tale version of the story of the Bible. And now I'm for veggie tales. My kids watched them. I loved veggie tales. But. That's the understanding that we have of them. And we don't, we don't realize uh, how, how far in depth the Bible goes and how applicable it is to our lives. And, and I'm telling you, the average Christian, the average Christian, if I stood up and I said, okay, let's find the book of Obadiah. Let's go to the front where the index is. Look for Obadiah. I'm not saying that makes you a good Christian or not a good Christian. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you our knowledge of the Word of God is waning. Used to be we'd sit down and study the Bible. Now we're lucky if people do their devotions and just, and just read it casually. When's the last time you sat down and studied God, God's Word? When's the last time you sat down and got out a Strong's Concordance or a Young's Concordance? Or the last time you sat down and you got out some commentaries? When's the last time you got, said, okay, I don't, I don't do books? Well, when's the last time you got on Blue Letter Bible? It's a good one, by the way. I don't have very many. I have that one. Blue Letter Bible. got commentaries. It's got uh, different uh, versions of the Bible. It's got, uh, of course, the King James. It's got all, all these. Uh, and it's, again, it's an, an awesome concordance. When was the last time you said, you read something and said, hey, wait a minute. That's, you ever, you ever read this? You ever read uh, in the New Testament where the Bible says that they were in the way? You ever read that? Not like, I'm in your way from you getting to the door. I'm saying they were in the way. Do you know the Bible says that often? They were in the way. What does he mean by that? Do you want to study on that? I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it is awesome. When's the last time you did a study on the spiritual gifts? The fruits of the Spirit. When's the last time you got to understand? Listen, I love people asking me questions because if I don't know the question, then I, I kind of feel dumb. Of course, everybody thinks preachers are supposed to know everything. We don't. But you know what it does? It leads me to study. 
and to find out, wait a minute, what? Uh, somebody asked me the other day, I was in a store, and they know who I am, and they, they said, man, we've been waiting for you to come in. I said, oh boy. <clears throat> These are two very uh, solid Christian people and uh, study the Bible probably as much as I do, or not more. And, um, and they said, listen, I've looked up, and they named like the top five, you know, theologians out there. And I can't find this answer. I said, then what are you asking me for? But they started asking me these questions about, about them leaving, uh, about them leaving um, Egypt and uh, being, uh, being delivered and, and where, did they, where did they get their sacrifices and how did they... And they started asking me all these questions and my head's going whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I said, well, and they said, no, 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 I thought about that. I said, well, no, 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 I said, well, what are you asking me for? And we sat down. I mean, we had a long discussion. It was a great discussion talking about the Word of God. There are some things we don't know. Just have your opinion and move on, okay? There's some things. That you, we don't know what Lot's wife's name is. Miss Lot. Call her Miriam. I don't care what you call her. We don't know. Stop worrying about the things that we don't know and start concentrating on the things that we do know. I remember when we first started here years ago, we started um, FBI and um, sat down with FBI and uh, we, had a, we had a bunch of people that took that, took that class and sat down and, and I'm telling you something right now. He was, he was talking about things and, and you're like, I know it's in there, but I don't remember ever hearing about it. I don't remember ever reading about it. And, oh, yeah, the Bible says it. And, oh, you can wrap it up like this and how it's applicable to your life. And it was a great course. It was a great course to not only give you knowledge, but let me tell you something. Knowledge is only part of it. If you don't take that knowledge and apply it to your life, what good is having the knowledge? What good is it that you can tell, you know, tell people all about, you know, you can, you can quote the... I remember my first class, my very first class when I was in college, uh, I just got saved, I just got out of the Navy, and um, first class, Old Testament survey, uh, um, write down the Old Testament books in order spelled correctly. All the kids that grew up in church, yes, I mean, I cried every night. Obadiah? I mean, I didn't know anything about anything. And I'm, I got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, Ezekiel, Matthew. I mean, literally, that's my, what was my, and I had to actually memorize those. Well, those kids didn't even study. This old boy had to study for hours and hours and hours. So don't take for granted the knowledge that you have. Take the knowledge that you have and apply it to your life. Apply it to your heart. Apply it to your hands. Apply it to your feet. What good is it to know that you're supposed to be a witness if you're never a witness? What good is it to know that men are always to pray and not to faint and you never pray? It doesn't do you any good to know it if you don't actually do it. That's part of our testimony. Not only being hearers of God's word, but being doers of God's word. You know, the Bible says that we ought to, 
with as much as in us, live peaceably with all men, especially those of the household of faith. That's what the scripture says. I mean, you know it, but then you go out and you're cross with people and mean with people and argue with people and wait a minute. It's time that we take what we know, take what the scripture that God has given us and apply it to our eyes. Why? Because you have a testimony. Do people want to be around you? Do people avoid you when they see you in Walmart? Do people want to have a discussion with you? It's a question that we should ask ourselves every day. Why? If you don't want to be around you, there's a reason. It's a hard check, isn't it? Well, I tell you right now, that's their problem. Yeah, yep, you're right. Sure. And it's everybody's problem but yours. And by the way, we all have problems. All of us. And it is an absolute constant work in progress. That's what sanctification is. Regeneration is instantaneous. You're saved. You're saved automatically. Sanctification is a work in progress. It's a work in progress. This is a really bold statement for you to say, I am just like Jesus. That's, that's pretty bold. Even if you were, that would be a bold statement, right? What is it? But what, what, what do you say? I want to be just like Jesus. It's my desire to be like Jesus. You may not be perfect. You may not be sinless, but you ought to want to be. It ought to be a desire that you have in your heart and your life. And we ought to be working towards that. And when I fail, I ought to recognize it. Do you recognize your failures? Do you recognize your shortcomings? Do you realize that there is a sin that does so easily beset you? And I may not struggle with it, but you do. And you, you may struggle with something that I don't. And I might struggle with something that you don't. But there are things that, do, that, that beset us, that set us back. Are you working on those things? Or are you blaming them things on everybody else? Well, I'm not this because if you grew up in the household I grew up in, if you were in the neighborhood that I was in, if you had the spouse that I have, if, 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 and we have one excuse after another, after another. When you stand before God, your excuses will not hold water. Now, they say today, Danny and I were just talking about it, they say today that in the military, now when you go through boot camp, you actually have cards and you can hold up a card if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you're feeling... And I'm thinking to myself, you're a liar. You're a liar. I can't even imagine. Listen, when I was in boot camp, if you held up a card, I mean, they'd have knocked you right across the floor. And then, look, which they weren't allowed to do. They weren't allowed to touch you. But that didn't, they didn't care. They'd yell at you. They'd cut. Listen, they'd use words I'd never heard of before. My company commander, listen, my company commander had a terrible marriage. Terrible marriage. Guess who paid for it? Oh, our whole company. Three o'clock in the morning. 
He'd get in a fight with his wife. He'd come in throwing trash cans, screaming and hollering for us to get out of our racks, and I mean spitting all over the place. Listen, he was so significant. He would turn on all the hot showers, and then he'd make us, he'd make us do eight-count bodybuilders until sweat came off the ceiling. I mean, water would be on the floor. I mean, we'd be drenched. He'd be eating a candy bar, <laughs> drinking a Coke. Tell you something. There was several times we had plots to kill the man. I mean, it was, I guess we're recording that. I guess I shouldn't have said that. But anyways, <laughs> you know, this idea, this idea that I can't, I can't do this because of this, and I can't do this because of that, and I, I come up with this excuse, and I come up with that excuse. Listen, okay, I need you to, when they screamed at you to drop, you didn't say, um, time out. Can we discuss this? I really pulled something in my arm, and I'm really, I'm just really not feeling it today. Man, you just didn't do it. There's a little bit of a fear going on there, right? Because what they said goes. Listen to me. What God says goes, and when you stand before Him one day, you're going to be without excuse. You're going to be without excuse. And God said, do this, and you didn't do it. God said, go here, and you didn't go. I mean, listen to me. Your testimony does matter. It matters to your family. It matters to your, to your, to your church. It matters to your neighbors. Do you, know, do you know, if you have any kind of relationship with your neighbors, and you've talked to them about the Lord, and they don't go to church, I guarantee you they're looking to see if you did. Well, that ain't right. Well, it don't matter what's right. They're peeking out the window to, to see if you actually went to church. They're not going to go, but they're going to see if you went. You have grown children. You know what your grown children are thinking? I wonder what mom and dad taught me if they really do believe that. For some reason, I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. But for some reason, it happens so often. Children grow up and get out of the house. Mom and dad don't come to church as much as they used to. Spouse dies. The wife or the husband don't come to church like they used to. And just, I, I, don't, I don't know why. It's just a human thing, I guess. But you know what our kids are doing? Our kids are saying, listen, mom and dad didn't really mean what they said they, they believed. They're not backing it up. I'm not talking about people with excuses. I'm talking about people that are without excuse. Your testimony. Listen, my testimony does count. It does matter because people are watching. They're looking at you. They're watching you. They're watching to see if what you say you believe is really so. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not saved. Trust in Jesus Christ. If you've, if you've never been saved, can I tell you this morning God loves you? He died upon a cross for you, was buried, and you rose again the third day so that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Have you been regenerated? Have you been what the Bible calls born again? If you haven't, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're saved and you know Christ is your personal Savior, does your testimony matter? It absolutely does. And it absolutely will. Is your life, is your words, is your actions pleasing to God?
Because you can, you can please God and it doesn't matter whom you displease. But if you displease God, it doesn't matter whom you please. He's the most important. He's the one that we focus on. He's the one that we lean on. He's the one that we listen to. He is the commander-in-chief. He's the one. Always has been, and he always will be. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, a hymn of invitation. And I invite you to come this morning. God, help me. God, help me to be the right testimony for my kids, for my grandkids, for my friends, for my coworkers. God, help me to be right testimony for my neighbors. It will matter for eternity. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the instruments play this morning, you come. verse if you need to come don't wait don't hesitate don't don't put it off if God's speaking to your heart this morning do business with him if you need to come this morning you come Good to see you this morning. Good to be here in the house of the Lord. Ladies, don't forget, Thursday, 7 o'clock at the Tompkins uh, for a ladies meeting. And then tonight, uh, after church, we will have a missions committee meeting, missions committee meeting tonight uh, following the evening service. 6 o'clock for prayer, 6.30 tonight for the evening service. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. Dismiss us with your blessing. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. VBS, if you can help with VBS.